0: Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Well, the Padres just about traded for everybody, except Scott and me. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on a Tuesday, September 1st. Where did the time go? Winter is coming. Frank Stanfield joined, as always, by Scott White. We wrapped up yesterday's pod saying, we hoped one of our favorite teams, the Yankees or the Braves, would wind up with Mike Clevenger. And it was neither. What's going on, Scott.
1: It was neither because, of course, it was the Padres because we're all <laughs> Padres now. We're living in a Padre sort of world. You're my Padre. I'm your Padre. We're all Padres. And that is our summation of the trade deadline.
0: <laughs> you're my Padre. I'm your. I was like, where does he go with this? Kind of reminds me of what's that? I'm a dude. You're a dude. We're all dudes. Good Burger. That's what that's from, right? <laughs> I. I swear, Frank, and sorry for blowing
1: straight into the microphone, but I swear, Frank, we were talking just before we started about how you haven't seen Jurassic Park, you I haven't have seen any Terminator movie, any Lord of the Rings, like just these gaping holes in your uh, Matrix. You'd only seen the second Matrix
0: of all. <laughs> and of you're them. gonna I've you're, gonna, you're
1: gonna whip out a Good Burger reference and think that's gonna fly? That's 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 poor timing on your part.
0: That. Look, I, this is 100% deserved, and that just should tell you more about who I am and, and what I've what I've watched throughout my life. So just and I googled Good Burger, and it, there's a picture of one of them with French fries coming out of his nose. So <laughs> that's just where I'm at in my life. Uh, the types of movies that I've seen, Grandma's Boy, one of my favorites. Today on the show, by the way, we're recapping the trade deadline, giving you some fantasy winners and losers have some weekend leftovers, checking in on Monday's action. Team name Tuesday, we have some Apple podcast review questions. And I don't know how we're going to get to all of that, but let's try and do so. Of course, we will start, before we get to the trades, with a Monday standout. Take it away, Susan. Oh my goodness gracious! Alright, I'm going to get us started here, Scott. While we're talking about Susan Waldman, let's talk about the Yankees and Garrett Cole. Against the Rays on Monday... Five innings, eight hits, four earned, four walks, seven strikeouts. Swinging strikes still there, 17 swinging strikes on 103 pitches. Two more home runs allowed in this start. He has now allowed 12 home runs on the season, a career-high 47% fly ball rate. That doesn't bode well in Yankee Stadium. Uh, and his home run-to-fly ball ratio is now up to 22.6%, which is a career high. The four walks were the most since September 12th, 2018 for Garrett Cole, but I am here to calm you down because normally I'm the guy who overreacts, and in the next podcast, I spend all my time apologizing to people. I don't want to apologize anymore. The first eight starts for Garrett Cole last year, a 4.17 ERA, eight home runs allowed. His final 25 starts, 1.99 ERA. This year, first eight starts, a 3.91 ERA. I'm really not that worried. I just came here to calm people down in case they were, Scott. I'm 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 proud of you, Frank.
1: That's <laughs> that's a handy number you pulled out there, a demonstrative one, because I was going to say something similar without having even looked into it. That you know, seven it's seven starts right for Cole. Uh, seven starts into a normal season, like you're not going to bat an eye at any pitcher having a high three ZRA. That's just the way samples work. And it's, it, it goes back to what I've been saying all along. What we've been saying all along is that there, there, there go, there's going to end up being some weird looking statistics because this season is less than a, or about a third, a little more than a third of a full length season. Uh, but that really shouldn't change your day-to-day evaluation of players because predicting how those numbers are going to be contorted like what when they take a turn for the better, they take a turn for the worse that, that there's there's no way of doing that. You just have to look at the skills. Are they intact? Yes. You know, he's he's been a home run prone pitcher even during his last two brilliant years with the Astros, so they are going to be stretches sometimes like this where his ERA gets inflated a little bit, but it's obvious the skills are intact, and I'm with you. There's nothing to worry about about Garrett Cole. He's my number three pitcher rest of season, and just keep riding him.
0: The one thing I really don't like that the fly ball rate is up. Someone who has had some issues with home runs, allowing fly balls in Yankee Stadium is pretty much a recipe for disaster, uh, but I have confidence that those numbers will kind of regulate out to where they normally are uh, over the course, hopefully, of this shortened season. And today was actually his eighth start, Scott. So we are eight starts in this season comparatively to the eight starts where he was last year. He struggled in his first eight starts last year. So uh, I'm willing to give Garrett Cole a pass. A Monday standout for you, Scott. Monday
1: standout for me. I am going to go with the one and only Greg Holland. Greg Holland, of course, yeah. it'd be Greg Holland getting the save for the Royals. Of course it would. It wouldn't be the guy we predicted, Scott Barlow. It wouldn't even be Josh Stamont, the crazy bat-misser in that bullpen. It would be Greg Holland, the old guy who's getting by, but, you know, doesn't have the, doesn't have the stuff those two have. And who knows? I mean, Greg Holland got a save before Trevor Rosenthal ever did, so uh, you know maybe maybe Mike Matheny is still feeling his way through this Trevor Rosenthalless existence. But Scott Barlow worked the eighth inning, setting up for Greg Holland, and um, I, I think I think automatically we have to consider Greg Holland the leading contender for saves in that bullpen now. Though I wouldn't want to stray too far from Barlow because it would appear that he's the backup choice. And, you know, as we've seen from Matheny this year, these things could uh, change pretty quickly.
0: Scott, does it matter that the Royals were down one zip at the time when Scott Barlow pitched in the top of the eighth inning? So it was one zip Cleveland. Scott Barlow came in for the eighth. The Royals took a two-run uh they scored two runs. They took a one run lead in the bottom of the eighth, and then Greg Holland came in to pitch the top of the ninth. Does that but matter? I don't
1: though? know I don't know many closers who work the eighth inning when trailing. That's not a traditional role for not a traditional scenario for a closer. So I I don't think it suggests anything about Scott Barlow. I could see how maybe it would suggest that Greg Holland was just the guy they were able to get warmed up once they took the lead. And so he, he fell into the save that way. But. Uh, like Jesse Hahn, who got the save on Saturday, he worked the seventh inning. Yep. Got two outs in the seventh inning for the Royals. So it's, you know, there's no indication it's him. Josh Stamont I, I know he wasn't reserved. I, I know he worked Sunday and it was like the middle of the game. So it's not like they were saving him for the ninth, but you know, Holland himself pitched the eighth Sunday. So I, I don't know. I think, the only thing we I can say for sure is that Greg Holl- is that Scott Barlow was available and they didn't reserve him for the save. And that Greg Holland did get the first save, or no, actually the second, because of that Jesse Hahn save. But we nobody took that seriously. Greg Holland got the save here on Monday. And uh, you know, I it's like a 60-40 thing for me right now. Eh, not even that, because I'm not totally ruling out Josh Stomont. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a mess, Mike I, Matheny. What are you doing to us? What I, are you doing to us?
0: I'm enjoying hearing you just talk out your thought processes, just like on the podcast. He's like, "Is it really that percentage?" No, I'm not so sure. You know, Mike Matheny's yeah, kind of messing around with I'm us. Trying, but
1: that's the closer carousel. crystallized this for everybody. <laughs> it's just, it's very, it's very cloudy. It's a cloudy, it's a cloudy uh, gem. I think we're putting. A bow, you got engaged recently, right? What are the four? For whatever, for diamonds, like the four C's or something. Oh. Clarity's one of them. Color.
0: Oh, I know. Carrots. And cut. I got it. There you go. Woo. You didn't even need me to. I'm like, dude, I just I just cited a Good Burger movie. You think I'm going to know that? <laughs> like, There's no <laughs> chance that's going to happen. All right, we're going to get back to Greg Holland in a little bit because we had some other closer movement at the end of the trade deadline on Monday, so... Kind of throw all these guys together and see which one we like most. Uh, but we mentioned Mike Clevenger, Greg Allen, and a player to be named later, headed over to the San Diego Padres for Austin Hedges, Cal Quantrill, Josh Naylor, and three prospects. We know who Clevenger is. I don't think this really changes anything for him, right, Scott? Like, you're not going to move Mike Clevenger up because he moves over to San Diego?
1: No, I'm, I'm not. It, it, you know, it's a little, I, the offense backing him is better. Mm hmm. Uh, the competition, you know, AL Central was a great place to pitch in you know, the West. Yeah. Less so, but it's, it's mostly contingent on Clevenger throwing strikes and missing bats. He hasn't done either as well this year as he did last year. And yet he has a low three ZRA. So, you know, I still feel pretty good about him. I feel like the pod trade should feel great. Like it was, it was, that trade was, Just ridiculous, because we were talking yesterday, right? Would I give up Drew Waters for him, or was that? I don't know if that was on the show or off the show, but I said, yeah, I'd give Drew Waters. I'd give him Christian Pache. I mean, he has two years of control left. Clevenger does after this year, and it's like the the deal that the Indians took for him, the Padres just like, just like. Dumped a lot of like excess parts on them, like it was a six for one trade. Not exactly, but it it reminded me of a trade I'm making, like out of the park baseball when I'm trying to (laughs) rip off the AI because it's just like if I throw enough bodies in there, eventually they'll have to say yes. And that's what it felt like this trade was for Clevenger.
0: You know what's hilarious about that is someone posted in the Facebook, uh, Facebook, the Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group that the. The Cleveland, the San Diego Padres basically pulled a Frank, a classic Frank two for one, except it was like six for one, basically. Yeah. Uh, in this, yeah, so, trade.
1: so some of the names we know, right? It's like Austin Hedges. Do you have the names there?
0: Yeah, I don't have all. I don't have all the prospects names, but I have Quantrill, Josh Naylor. I, I the three prospects, and I, I think two of them were either top ten or top twelve in the Padres organization, and then one was a little bit lower down. But yeah. I mean, look, the fact that the Padres landed Mike Clevenger without having to give up one of Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, or C.J. Abrams. It's fantastic. It's just, and and uh, their catching prospect. I think it's Luis Campusano. They they didn't mm-hmm. have to give him up either. So to, to land yeah. Clevenger without giving up any of those guys, or even like a Jake Cronenworth, who's like a young player who might turn out to be a stud, he looks like he is right now. It's a fantastic job by the San Diego Padres. And Scott, I thought the biggest winner of this trade deadline from a fantasy perspective was Zach Plisak because now he is back in the rotation and will start Tuesday against the Royals. We were wondering what was going to happen. And this is kind of why I thought all along that the Indians might trade away Clevenger is because they have another, not gonna, he's not, he's pitched like an ace. I'm not going to call him an ace yet. Three starts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Three starts this Three year. Three
0: starts of an ace up the sleeve right now. Zach Plisak 82% rostered. He's probably not available anywhere, but this should give people some calm, a reason to exhale now that Zach Plesak is back in the rotation.
1: Yeah, I been in some of those Yahoo leagues he's available. And yeah, this is, you know, I'd been saying to hold on to him. He changed his pitch mix this year, throwing more strikes, missing more bats, at least through three starts. And uh, obviously Cleveland was confident in what he could do for them, them being contenders and willing to trade away their you know, one of their best pitchers in Clevenger. So, uh yeah, excited about the return of Plesak. I agree with you. He's the biggest winner of the trade deadline. I have my five winners and losers up on the site. He's number one for me from the trade deadline, Zach Plesak.
0: Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. And just last name I'll touch on from this trade, Josh Naylor, still just 23 years old, makes a lot of contact, career 288 hitter in the minors, has some pop. I imagine he'll play quite consistently for Cleveland, probably in one of those corner outfield spots. Any interest in Josh Naylor in a, in a deeper league, Scott?
1: Yeah, I mean, good minor league track record, poor major league track record. So you could see why the Padres gave up on him. But the it sounds like the plan is for him to play mostly every day and left, even though he's a left-handed hitter. So we'll get to see pretty quickly if he's going to sink or swim. It's a name to keep an eye on. Probably the single player who gains the most fantasy value from this trade.
0: Yeah, Naylor. I, I would put him in a similar kind of range as someone like Ty France, who we're hoping becomes an everyday player with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, the yes,
1: ra- and, and it sounds like he will. It sounds like he's going to play a ton. Ty France, for those who don't know, he hit, I think, 399 with a 1272 OPS. At AAA last year. PCL juiced a ball, that hitting environment was ridiculous, but still nobody else put up numbers like Ty France did. And he's eligible at first, second, and third. Uh, Yeah, I I don't think he's an immediate rush out and grab him type because for those crazy numbers, it's not like he was some huge prospect, but definitely definitely a name to remember and monitor his progress in the early going.
0: And I saw a quote today on Twitter from Jerry Depoto. From the Mariners, and he apparently he's been trying for a while now to acquire Ty France. So if they're excited about him, it seems like they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed with the Seattle Mariners. The Reds acquired Archie Bradley and, uh, from the Diamondbacks and Brian Goodwin from the Angels. Scott, who closes in Cincinnati?
1: It's got to be Iglesias. It's got to be. I think. But Bradley's not very good.
0: Well, on the surface, you know, some people might look at Rysel Iglesias. He has a 5.50 ERA this season, but a 0.83 whip. So those numbers don't match up. He's a 2.28 XFIP, 15 strikeouts to just one walk. I think he's had two or three really bad performances for Rysel Iglesias. So that have kind of inflated these surface numbers, but everything underlying uh, looks much better. So I tend to agree with you. I think Rysell Iglesias will be the closer. Uh, Archie Bradley is someone who knows the role of being a setup man quite well, and he has done it before, and he has excelled in that role. So I tend to agree with you. I, Iglesias is the guy in Cincinnati. Archie Bradley, the setup man. On the other side, in Arizona, who closes for the Diamondbacks? I don't think I,
1: there's any way of knowing, really. I yeah. think they don't even know yet. They're going to figure it out. Probably the leading candidates are Kevin Ginkle, uh Steven Crichton, and uh trying to pull up the roster here, Junior Guerra. Yeah. Who's Junior Guerra is thirty-five, so it's not like I don't know. He's he's probably a distant option. I mean, Yolan Lopez got a look there, I think, late last season. So it's pretty wide open. There there isn't an obvious candidate to pick up there and I wouldn't be investing much fab in it or anything right now.
0: Kevin Ginkle was a name that I like coming into the season. I think he had two or three saves in the final month last season in September for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but he has been quite bad this season. His ERA is up over seven. So if you're just looking at numbers this year, I think Crichton is the one that should probably earn the first shot. 3.24 ERA over a strikeout per inning. Uh, He walks a decent amount. So does Junior Guerra. Speaking of Jurassic Park, Crichton. I wouldn't understand the reference, Scott. I've never seen Jurassic Michael Park. Michael Crichton.
1: <laughs> he wrote the, the novel on oh, which the movie's based. Right. Didn't read the book. only other Crichton
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, Jonathan VR was sent to the Blue Jays, Starling Marte to the Marlins. Uh, any big takeaways here? Yeah, I guess Starling Marte's a loser just because <laughs> he leaves a better lineup and he joins a worse ballpark to hit in.
1: I mean I don't, I don't want to just gloss over it cuz after Clevenger Marte was by far the biggest name yeah. traded and you know the uh in, in terms of players being impacted in fantasy though I I don't see huge repercussions here uh Jonathan V it was interesting that the Marlins brought in starling Marte okay their buyers while also shipping out Jonathan VR <laughs> who was by far their highest drafted player in fantasy coming into the year It's been the bad VR at the plate so far but you know, even the bad VR runs, I'm I'm a little worried about how this impacts his value going to the Blue Jays because presumably right now he's filling in for Bo Bichette at shortstop. It doesn't sound like Bichette's far from returning. If VR doesn't heat up in the interim, uh, you know, some people are suggesting he'll just take over for Travis Shaw at third base, maybe. But you know, if he has a sub 700 OPS himself, I I don't know that I don't know that the Blue Jays are going to value VR like a fantasy. Player would, and uh, I'd be worried that he'd he'd lose playing time. He'd he'd still play a fair amount, kind of all over the diamond, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the at bats are going to be there regularly for VR unless unless he really turns things around at the plate.
0: I was watching the Blue Jays game today, and on the broadcast they said exactly what you just did. He'll fill in for Bo Bichette, and then once he returns. Uh, they imagine that Jonathan VR would take over at third base, but they're just speculating too. They don't know for sure. Uh, Jonathan VR's nine steals this season lead all of baseball. The Blue Jays actually run a little bit, so I don't think that that will be an issue for him. I think that he'll still have the green light in Toronto or Buffalo, rather. That's where they play. John Birdie replaced Jonathan VR, and I imagine Birdie should play every day. He has a ton of eligibility for fantasy. He is thirty percent rostered, and he has eight steals this season, Scott. So like, yeah. I feel like his, his roster ship percentage should be higher. I, I don't know that
1: he's going to play every day because Asan Diaz is apparently applying to return, kind of right. like Nick Markakis did after opting out originally. And uh, that was given as part of the impetus for trading VR. So, I mean, I don't know that Asan Diaz deserves to start. He, You know, power hitting prospect last year got called up and was terrible, but... It sounds like uh, he's going to be in the mix here sooner than later, and Birdie might still bounce around. Like I don't know that Birdie's a very good hitter either, so it's it's it would be a true steal specialist, even if he was playing one that I have him in a few roto leagues, and I have a hard time justifying getting him in my lineup as much as I might need steals.
0: Uh, Caleb Smith was one of the names that came back to the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Starling Marte trade. Reminder that over the first eleven starts last season in 2019, he looked like a true breakout candidate with a 3.10 ERA and a ton of strikeouts. He's getting ready to return. 34% rostered. Any interest in Caleb Smith, Scott? I
1: I want to say zero, but I'm not I'm not excitingly picking him up ahead of his return because, like, yes. He was good for eleven starts, and then came a hip injury. But like the ratios didn't necessarily support how good he was. Like a ton of fly balls, not a good control pitcher. I I, I don't know. I'm I, look. I'm keeping an open mind on Caleb Smith, but I'm I'm not an optimist when it comes to him. I'll just I'll put it that way. Um, related to that, and and kind of bringing this to Monday's action. Trevor Rogers made a second start for the Marlins, went five innings, gave up two earned runs, struck out five. Uh, two good starts in a row since joining the rotation. And, and now that Caleb Smith is not going to bump him out, it, it looks like Trevor Rogers has a job to stay. So, you know, if it, if it came down to him or Caleb Smith, I, I might go with Rogers. I'm not saying he's must add, but that's that's kind of where I am with Caleb Smith.
0: For Trevor Rogers, he is just 6% rostered, so he is available. In even the deepest leagues, his next two starts are expected to come against the Tampa Bay Rays and the Philadelphia Phillies. Some other trades, Mike Miner to the Oakland A's, Robbie Ray and Ross Tripling to the Blue Jays. Meh, I don't think this matters all that much. Taylor Williams, there was a buzzer beater trade that came out actually a little bit after the trade deadline. Taylor Williams, the closer of the Mariners was traded to the Padres, where I assume he will set up in some capacity. Yeah, and they so had he's, a,
1: he's done as a closer. They <laughs> had a uh,
0: a save opportunity today, but Marco Gonzalez was just so awesome. He's like, nah, I'm just going to pitch a complete game. It's cool. Uh, but apparently, Yoshi Hirano was the one that was warming up in the bullpen when a, uh, when a base runner got on in the ninth inning. So I tend to think that Yoshi Hirano is probably the next man up in Seattle, Scott.
1: Probably, of course, they moved Dan Altavia already. They moved Austin Adams, who was on the IL anyway. So, uh, what happened to Matt? What happened to Matt McGill? I don't see him on the roster here. I saw him pitch oh, he's recently. on the IL too. Okay. All right. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really know who it could be other than Hirano. So I would. That's a that's a pickup I would feel more confident in than. And anybody in the Diamondbacks bullpen, I'd probably prioritize both Holland and Barlow over him, though. I don't know. What about you?
0: Yeah, that was the next question. I agree with Holland. I still think the Royals will be better than the Mariners. I don't even know if that makes sense, but... (laughs) Yeah, I don't think Hirano's all that great either. Uh, I'll go Holland... Yeah, no, I think I think what you said is right. Yeah, I'll go with both Royals guys. See how that kind of plays out ahead of. I, Yoshi I do want to Arano.
1: make a couple comments on the three starting pitchers here. Um, Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling going to the Blue Jays after they already got Taiwan Walker, so they have a completely remade rotation now. Like we know Robbie Ray, we know Ross Stripling have talent. So, get, uh, anytime you can get a different set of eyes on talent that has clearly gone awry. I think it can only be a good thing. The change of scenery argument. I, I I obviously need to see something from both of them before I invest in them again. But, uh, you know the Blue Jays are making a strong push here and and are counting on both of them to be a part of it. So something to monitor. Mike Miner, on the other hand, like they're talking about moving them to the bullpen. They're not saying they're not doing it yet because they have a couple double headers coming up. They they need a six man rotation for a while. But there, there are rumblings that Mike Miner is going to wind up in the bullpen.
0: The rest of the news and notes from Monday. Actually, there was a few other trades. They don't really matter for fantasy. David Phelps to the Phillies, Todd Frazier, Robinson Chirinos, and Miguel Castro to the Mets, Kevin Pilar to the Rockies, and Cameron Maben to the Cubs. Kevin Pilar, yeah, not excited about
1: him, but I'm concerned about what it means for Garrett Hampson. Because he's mostly been playing center field, he's right-handed hitter like uh, like Pilar is, and hasn't been doing so hot. Mm-hmm. So here we go again with Garrett Hampson. I uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not optimistic about how this is going to end for him this season.
0: Some news and notes: Ronald Acuna was not in the Braves lineup Monday because of the right hamstring tightness. Yandy Diaz was removed from Monday's game with. Hamstring tightness, he was replaced by Hunter Renfro. Rockies placed prospect Brandon Rodgers on the 10-day IL with a right shoulder capsular strain. Chris Bryant could be activated off the IL Tuesday. He was dealing with a left ring finger sprain. Austin Meadows was out of the Rays lineup Monday due to a sore oblique. He didn't play Sunday either, and he's kind of not been great, so maybe this oblique is something that's been bothering Austin Meadows for a little bit longer than this. Charlie Morton will return from the IL Wednesday against the Yankees. The Pirates activated Colin Moran off the seven-day concussion IL Monday. Uh, sticking with the Pirates, they're one of their top prospects, Kebrian Hayes, will be promoted ahead of Tuesday's game. We spoke about him last week. He's not really someone we're excited about right now for a from a fantasy perspective, but let's just pay attention. Put him on your scout team. Let's see what he does with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then, of course, the A's and the Mariners series, which was supposed to be played Tuesday and Wednesday, has been postponed for precautionary reasons. A member of the A's organization tested positive for COVID over the weekend. It was actually pretty obvious uh, what was going to happen with that series. We spoke about it on yesterday's podcast. And you know what else is obvious? You don't need to be an expert to know that consolidating credit card debt into one low fixed rate can save you money. Start saving today with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's fixed rate credit card consolidation loans start at 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. The application is 100% online and you can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Look, I know it's tough to deal with credit card debt. It can be Really overwhelming. Luckily, Lightstream can help. Here's what Robert and Kate had to say about their experience. This was the most hassle-free loan we have ever applied for. The application was received and approved in one hour and four minutes. Outstanding service in an, is an understatement. Kudos to the staff at Lightstream. Our listeners can save even more money with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount, go to lightstream.com slash strike. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash strike, S-T-R-I-K-E. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash strike for more information. Scott, there were a few leftovers from the weekend that we didn't get to yesterday and just quickly wanted to run some of these past you. Luis Castillo, what gives? He drops to 0-5. He allowed four runs over the weekend, including three home runs against the Cubs on Sunday. His ERA is now 4.10. The people want to know what is going on with Luis Castillo, Scott. Do you have an answer?
1: It seemed like more of the same to me. The home runs, like it, it's it's... <laughs> It's if if everything else goes right for Castillo, it's it's like something else goes wrong because home runs. You know he's an extreme ground ball pitcher, and I think he had only given up like two home runs all year, and then he gives up three in this game. Still gets his usual number of whiffs. It's gonna it's gonna go right for him eventually. I know eventually might happen. You know it might not happen before the season's <laughs> over, but it might. It more likely will than not. So uh, stick with him.
0: I agree, and you know, half the time when I set up the questions, I'm gonna wind up agreeing with you. I just like to frame it that way. But the underlying numbers yeah. this season for Luis Castillo are actually better than they were last season. The swinging strike rate is basically the same, but the xFIP is lower. The hard contact rate is down. Uh, he's really struggling. His BABIP is 379 last year. It was 262. I just think things are going to get better. Uh, I looked into his fastball and his changeup this year. Fastball 290 batting average against. A 262 expected batting average. A 452 slug. A 390 expected slug. The changeup, 265 batting average this season. A 186 expected (laughs) batting average. That is insane. A 431 slug on Luis Castillo's changeup. 293 expected slug. He has been extremely unlucky. And look, if it just turns out that it doesn't happen this season, I will be there to buy in on all the discounted Luis Castillo heading into next season.
1: Oh, yeah. By the way, it was just one home run in his first six starts and then three over the weekend.
0: Uh, Blake Snell was at the Marlins on Sunday, Scott, and he was fine, five innings, two runs, but they only let him pitch 75 pitches. Was there any reasoning behind this? Or is it just the Tampa Bay Rays?
1: I don't know. I didn't watch the game. I don't know if it was a game flow thing. But, uh, you know, his previous two outings, he was over 90 pitches in one, over 100 in the other. So it's not like he's not stretched out. I, I don't know. I mean, even during his Cy Young season, he was pulled prior to six innings more often than you might think. And maybe they just don't like him going, they don't like him facing the lineup a third time. I don't know. But, you know, I, I'm mostly viewing him as a must start player now.
0: Well, is this gentleman a must-start player again? Because he went into Colorado on Sunday, and he bounced back. He needed it. to Chris Paddock, six innings, two runs, zero earned runs. So defense kind of let him down a little bit in this one. One walk, eight strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 85 pitches, 17 first-pitch strikes to 24 batters face. Uh, that's a 70% first-pitch first pitch strike percentage, and that's exactly where it was at last season I think if Paddock is going to be successful with mainly just the two pitches, it's going to be with elite control and command, not walking anybody, and of course getting ahead in the count. And I think that's exactly what he did in his start, Scott.
1: Yeah, you're right. That's that's going to be pivotal to his success, and he's still going to get burned by the long the long balls sometimes. I was, I was not keen on starting him at Colorado because of that because. You know, he's had some struggles recently because in, in particular he gets burned by the long ball. But obviously it worked out. He's going to have more good starts than bad. I haven't shied away from him as a must-start option even though his stock has fallen a little in my eyes this year. Not so far that he's no longer must-start.
0: Let's check in on the action from Monday. Let's First of all, check in on some stud pitchers. We had some great pitchers on the mound on Monday night. Jacob DeGran, DeGrom against the Marlins. Six innings, four runs. Only one of them were earned. Again, defense kind of let him down. Nine strikeouts. 31 swinging strikes. 31 swinging strikes <laughs> for Jacob. Like, this is this is unheard of. I don't think you really need to say anything else outside of that. It's just, I wanted to let everyone know. 31 swinging strikes for Jacob DeGrom. I, Look, I think that's the
1: highest number I've seen this year. And I for the season... I'm going to say stuff anyway. For the season, I think Jacob DeGrom is is his season long swinging strike percentage is over 20%. Now, uh based on that performance, like the leader last year, I want to say it was under 15%. To double check that, but I'll double check it right now. But like that that just goes to show you how uh ridiculous he's been in terms of missing bats.
0: Yeah, swinging strike rate entering this start was 19%, so I would imagine it is over 20% now, and the swinging strike Okay, percentage... so there
1: were a couple closer to 20, my bad. DeGrom. Oh, no, I'm looking at, never mind. <laughs> never you know, mind. I just I'll did the same thing. I, was, I, I accidentally pulled up this year's leaderboards. I did the same exact
0: year's. thing. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm on 2019, and last year's leader was Gary Cole at 16.8. There you go. Jacob DeGrom, he's uh pretty good. Didn't really need us to tell you that, though. Lucas Giolito in his encore to the no-hitter at the Minnesota Twins. Another one. Defense kind of let him down here. Five innings, four hits, four runs. Only two of those were earned. One walk, eight strikeouts, 24 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. Everything was working for Lucas Giolito in this one. Fastball, changeup, slider. I saw he had a ton of swinging strikes on all three pitches, Scott. Um, I think it was just the defense kind of let him down and Ele- uh, that elevated his pitch count in the start. Sure.
1: Yeah, that, that seems right. And and based on the way his previous two outings went, top 10 pitcher,
0: Max Freed, five innings of two run ball, five strikeouts. The ERA is 1.60. Scott, did you know that he is let yet to allow a home run this season?
1: I did not know that he does keep the ball on the ground though. That is probably his best skill. He's actually kind of underwhelmed me with the, uh, With the strikeouts, the swinging strikes this year, Freed has. But you know, particularly given the pitching environment, you can't complain about a one hundred (laughs) and sixty ERA. Like it's probably between him, Degrom, and you, Darvish for the NL Cy Young race right now.
0: Yeah, and I would have had the Hmm. trifecta too, man. If it, mm, Frankie Montas. Those were the three. Those are the three breakouts. I had to leave one draft with at least Freed, Montas, or Gallon. Gallon and Free doing their job. Montas, come on, man. Pick up the slack. Shane Bieber, six shutout innings on Monday against the Royals. One hit, four walks, nine strikeouts, seven walks over his last two starts. That's not really Shane Bieber-like, but still not allowing any hits and getting a ton of strikeouts, so I'm not worried. Tyler Glass now, at the Yankees, six innings, six shutout innings, one walk, nine strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 97 pitches. His last two starts, 13 innings pitched, two walks, 22 strikeouts for glass now that is the key he just cannot get in trouble with the walks when you know as long as he stays away from that i think that tyler glass now is going to be probably close to the pitcher you drafted him to be a top 20 guy yep agreed let's check in on some stud hitters juan soto double dong that makes 11 home runs in 24 games a season that's a 74 home run pace (laughs) <laughs> not, not that that was ever going to happen. But even before Monday, Soto has moved past Fernando Tatis for the most fantasy points per game this season. Trey Turner, four more hits, hit his seventh home run. He is now batting 377. I know the steals haven't been there, but when you couple the batting average with the seven home runs and everything else that Trey Turner is doing, I'm kind of all right with him not stealing bases. Again, he's. Been great. Luke Voigt hit his 13th home run. He's batting 301 with an OPS over 1,000. Reese Hoskins, another one. Two more hits, hit his sixth home run. He's batting 260 with a 946 OPS. Um, and then Alex Verdugo, three doubles, all off max free. Just a reminder that he can hit lefties. Verdugo's not really a stud, but I just kind of wanted to put him in this category. He's batting 306 with an 893 OPS. It's not too shabby. The one name that has been a stud, Scott, that I want to get your thoughts on Brendan Lau. His last nine games, he is four for 35. He's betting 129 with two homers during that span. What is going on with Brandon Lau? I haven't checked on him in a
1: while. Or is this just so. part of
0: the natural ebbs and flows of a fantasy baseball season? I will say, during the span, his BABIP is 105. And that does not seem sustainable.
1: Yeah, I'm mostly interested in seeing if his strikeout rate has... Gone up during this cold spell because last year, you know, last year it was basically disqualifying at 34.6. I mean, that's Joey Gallo territory, and Joey Gallo, Brandon Lau, is not, but 23.7 is where it is on the season. Dramatic improvement. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think a little above average in terms of strikeout rate. Uh, Yeah, he hasn't. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's I think it's too early to back away from what I said about him earlier, him being a stud and breaking through. Uh, but I I'm not totally comfortable with the direction he's heading either. I, I you know, stick with him. Stick with him for now.
0: It's time to check in on some fringe two starters and how did they do in their first start on Monday? Marco Gonzalez mentioned it. Complete game, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts. That makes 39 strikeouts to just four walks this season. The ERA is down to 3.09. Honestly, if you could still make trades, I would say sell high on Marco Gonzalez, but I would imagine most people either just passed their uh, trade deadline or it was today while we're recording this. Uh, His next two starts, though, against the Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks, no Starling Marte. I think that's a matchup that you can kind of attack. Marco Gonzalez, man. He's been awesome.
1: He has. It's mostly, uh, it's mostly come in because he throws a lot of strikes. He's been throwing a lot of strikes. He did two years ago, too. Uh, not that last year he was bad. It's just, you know, the strikeout rate wasn't very good, and ERA was around four. But he's an efficient pitcher who works deep into games sometimes, and if the strikeout rate's up a little this year, that's only going to help. I think he's, I think Marco Gonzalez is shy of being must start. I would agree he's sell high if that's still a possibility, but, you know, he's
0: he's a decent pitcher. Dakota Hudson. Hey, yo, what did you do with uh, Dakota Hudson of 2019? Although, I guess he was still good last year, but the underlying numbers were just terrible. Monday, at the Reds, seven innings of two-run ball, seven strikeouts, zero walks, 12 swinging strikes on 95 pitches, 12 ground ball outs. He has now allowed two runs or less in four straight. Dakota Hudson, the ERA down to 2.71. His next start later this week is at the Cubs. And then next week, he's against the Tigers. He's 68% rostered, Scott. I think he's one of these two starters where the confidence is growing. And if he performs okay in his next start, I, I will be okay starting him next week against the Tigers.
1: Yeah, for that kind of matchup, it's probably fine. I I still think I still think he's more of a points league specialist. He was among qualifiers number 1 in ground ball rate last year. So that's what that's what a that's why I harp so much on ground ball rate because in an environment where you know, the majority of offense comes in the form of home runs, preventing that can really keep the ERA down, but it comes at the expense of a high whip. His walk rate has been a little better this year, but it's still not good, Dakota Hudson. So his ex-fip entering this game was 447. Um, Yeah, I, I still see him as more of a points league specialist, but certainly when the matchups are right, like against the Tigers, that's a play you can make.
0: Rich Hill, not nearly as good as Dakota Hudson on Monday. Three and a third, two earned, four walks, two strikeouts, only sixty-five pitches. He is seventy-seven percent rostered. Scott, is it time to drop Rich Hill? Would you drop him for the names that we've mentioned recently—Michael Pineda, Dane Dunning, Tyler Malley, Davey Garcia—is it time to drop Rich Hill for those names?
1: I think I—I think I'd drop him for Dunning. I—I I could see dropping him for Pineda, like. If you're pretty confident Hill's not going to be picked up in your league, why not drop him for Pineda? I'd rather see what Pineda does first, but you know, then you might have a fight on your hands if he's if he's great in that first start against the White Sox. So I could see going ahead and making that move. The interesting one is Mali I really think one development from Monday. Uh, it, obviously, Malley didn't pitch, but Anthony Desclafani did, and he gave up seven earned runs in three and two thirds innings. It was his second abysmal start in his past three. And I don't know how the Reds could justify keeping him in the rotation over Tyler Malley. Now, of course they're both in right now because of some upcoming double headers, but eventually that's going to change. And then Wade Miley's in that rotation too. And I don't know why he deserved preferential treatment. So I'm, I'm hopeful one way or another Malley's in for good now. And Yeah, I think based on that, I'd go ahead and drop Rich Hill for him too.
0: Yeah, I'm not really worried about my league mates picking up Rich Hill because at this point, I just, I don't know what his upside is. He's not getting a ton of strikeouts. The walks are inflating his pitch count. He's not going deep into games. It doesn't seem like they really want him to face the third time through the order anyway, even if he were pitching well. I'm all right dropping Rich Hill for pretty much all these names. Davey Garcia... Not exactly sure if he's going to remain in the rotation if he gets called up uh, for the doubleheader for the Yankees on Friday, but it sounds like that's what they're going to do. And they probably should give him another shot based on how he pitched over the weekend. Herman Marquez was at home. You know what that means. You got bad, Herman Marquez, against the Padres on Monday. Five earned runs. The ERA is now up to 4.88. Entering Monday, no surprise, he had a 6.87 ERA at home and a 2.66 ERA on the road. Scott, same question. Would you drop Herman Marquez for any of those names? I think
1: I'd drop him for Dunning. I think that's it, though.
0: So no... Okay.
1: No Panetta, no Mally.
0: So you're just like, you're going to stream him on the road? That's that's the only way you could play him, right? It's like... We know the story about Marquez. I, I guess so. I,
1: I take right. it you disagree. I take it you'd nah, rather. like the He's Rockies pitchers are so
0: frustrating. Like I he wanna like I wanna like Herman Marquez. I've for years I've wanted John Gray to be a thing, but it's just this happens all the time. Um and I would understand if someone who's just like fed up with Herman Marquez, so I'd be alright dropping him for uh Dunning. I think I'd be alright dropping him for Pineda as well. The other names, eh. See what happens with Tyler Malley and Davey Garcia. Brad Keller. Where was this Brad Keller last week, huh? Ask you that, Scott. When I started him, him, huh? I started Brad Keller last week. He was crap, and he lost his two-star week. What happens this week? Gains the two starts back. And then he was awesome. Six and a third. Three hits. One earned. Four strikeouts. One run or less in four of his five starts. That one start was the one where I started him, Scott. Yeah,
1: I don't think you were alone there. He was a uh, popular pickup for the two-star week. He is... I mean, he's kind of like he's kind of like Dakota Hudson. We He kind of faked us out early on because he was getting more whiffs and uh, maybe his slider was new and improved. The last two starts, including this one, show it wasn't. He's really more of a ground ball pitcher. Uh, one was better controlled than Hudson, actually. So, in a way, I... I might like him more than Hudson, but I, I do think of Keller, Brad Keller, like Hudson as uh, as more of a points league specialist than somebody you're going to start in all formats.
0: All right, let's take a quick break here. Remind everyone to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Baseball. Today, we are approaching 1,600 subscribers. Thank you to everybody who has subscribed thus far. Let's see if we can get to 2K by... Probably won't happen by the end of this fantasy season, but by the end of the year, can we make that happen? 2K, 2,500 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, Again, thank you to everyone who has already subscribed already. YouTube.com slash today. All right, take a quick break. When we come back, I got some waiver wire names I want to talk about from Monday, some bullpen notes, uh, team name Tuesday, and a few questions from our Apple Podcast review. We'll do that here, Fantasy Baseball Today. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at hyundaiusa.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the Forty Forty at newbalance.com. We're checking in on the waiver wire. Garrett Cooper has homered in back-to-back days. This time, it was off Jacob deGrom. Dual eligibility, 11% rostered. Scott, we mentioned the name yesterday. Do we need to prioritize Garrett Cooper a little bit more?
1: I mean, sure. Every time he has another good game, his the interest level goes up a little bit. You know, part of it's I don't, I don't feel a lot of urgency at the positions where he's eligible. But you know, especially considering Ryan Mountcastle is only like thirty percent rostered or something, and it definitely go with him eligible at those same two positions. But you know, if he's if he's already taken, if you're in kind of a deeper rotisserie league. Uh, Garrett Cooper has some offensive upside if he's going to play regularly. And I think he has been, right, since returning?
0: Yes, he has. Yeah. And he was available in a few five outfielder, 15-team roto leagues over the weekend. So I I had some bids in on Garrett Cooper. I think I won him in maybe one spot. But, yeah, in those deeper leagues for sure. I think people are kind of sleeping and, and forgetting about uh, what we saw from Garrett Cooper last year. He was pretty good. Uh, someone else who was pretty good last year and then fell flat on his face, was Austin Riley, who got off to a slow start this season, but went two for five with three RBI on Monday. He now has 12 hits over his last seven games. I'm trying to get excited over Austin Riley, Scott, but the stack numbers are kind of weird. The launch angle's way down. The hard contact is down. He's also, But he's striking out a little bit less, so that helps. 38% rostered should that number be higher for Austin Riley. I'm not sure. I'm not
1: sure. I think probably. I mean, this this could be him breaking out. It could be. It's too early to say, but you know, coming into Monday, three seventy one over his past ten games, less striking out less than a quarter at the time. I mean, if he's striking out less than a quarter at the time, that's gonna be that's gonna mean big things for a guy with his kind of power bat. So maybe it's the start of something. Probably not. It's it's just really too early to say. And if you need if you need a power hitter a power hitter who's eligible at either third base or the outfield, of course, take a flyer, see where it goes. But it's just it's just too early for me to say anything definitively.
0: We have a pair of Nick's, Nick Marcakis and Nick Madrigal. Back to back three hit games for Marcakis. He has multiple hits in three of his last five. Nick Madrigal, two more hits on Monday. He has multiple hits in all three games. Since returning, Scott, let's put these names all together now. Madrigal, Marcakis, Riley, Cooper. How would you rank those four?
1: I, it would depend somewhat on need on the first two, but I would go Madrigal one, Austin Riley two, Cooper three, Marcakis four. Marcakis, I'm not, I'm not confident how consistently he's going to play, and of course he provides very little in the way of power or speed.
0: He is batting 368, which is just standard. Nick Marquegas, he's always going to hit for a, ha- a high batting average, but like Garrett well, Cooper. Yeah, not 368, like 280. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, someone that can help you out in those five outfielder leagues. Nick, uh, Nick Madrigal has been pretty impressive thus far. I want to see him run a little bit more, but I've liked what I've seen. Uh, some bullpen notes Anthony Bass allowed two runs in extras, which of course start with a runner on base. Scott, the next Blue Jays save opportunity will go to blank.
1: It'll go to Blue Jays. Uh, Anthony Bass, I guess. Rafael Dulles. No love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I think they're just biding their time till Ken Giles gets back at this point. Sounds about so, right. Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to settle on any one guy.
0: Remember what I said about Brandon Workman yesterday looking pretty good? Yeah, me neither. Me neither. I, don't, I don't remember that. One inning, four hits, uh, two hits, two earned, and two strikeouts. He allowed a home run to Juan Soto. But it's like, how can you blame someone who allows a home run to Juan Soto right now? The guy's on pace for 74 home runs over the course of a full season. Ever since I made fun of the Tampa Bay Rays, by the way, for using random relievers, Diego Castillo has three straight saves. He is 33% rostered. Scott, let's put Diego Castillo, Greg Holland... Scott Barlow and Yoshi Hirano, all in a hat. Which name are you pulling out?
1: Well, it's random. No, well, if they're all in a hat.
0: Yeah, that's all right. Which one let's would you want to? Which one would you want to pull out?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this may be dumb to say, but I'm gonna go with Diego Castillo because I'm confident he's good enough to fill the role and last three saves for the Rays. The thing, like, people forget this, but eventually Emilio Pagan became, like, the guy for the Rays. This is never announced, but every single save opportunity he was getting for, like, the last three months. So, like, they're capable of deciding on a closer. And maybe, maybe this is the start of it for Castillo. I don't think Holland is the best reliever in his bullpen. I don't think Arano's a very good reliever to begin with. So yeah, I'm going to go with Diego Castillo.
0: Mm, and Scott White just jinxed it here on the podcast. You heard it. That means a fantasy baseball today listener will get the next raise save opportunity. Taylor Rogers allowed Edwin Encarnacion to reach on an error. Well, I guess it wasn't his fault, but then a single to James McCann, a double to Luis Robert, Danny Mendick struck out and no more bizarre, a two run single. You add that all up. Taylor Rogers, Gave up some runs. So, he hasn't really been great this year. We'll see if it affects anything. Probably not. It, they've seemed pretty loyal to Rogers to this point. Team name Tuesday, Scott. Continue to send these in. Fantasy Baseball at CBSi.com. This one's from Colin. Granky with no brim. Do you know where this is from? I don't know that reference, no. So, apparently there is a viral video of a gentleman wearing a Yankee fitted cap with no brim. And this is how his friend reacted. Whoa! Yankee with no brim! <laughs> so it's, whoa! Cranky with no brim! Okay. Alright. <laughs> I had to do that's, my research, admittedly. I saw the emails. That's like,
1: online for me, and I'm online an awful lot.
0: I was like, what is this? Cranky with no brim? And then yeah, the Yankee video came up. So there you go. The other one he sent in, the Solaire Flares.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, that's uh, we've uh, we've had that one before, but that's good. It's uh,
0: little little Dragon Ball Z. You watch Dragon Ball Z, Scott. Have you ever? No, no. Uh, give it a shot. You watch some anime, right? Some Death Note.
1: Death Note is very good. I will vouch for Death Note <laughs> from now until my name is written on the Death Note. But I don't know. Maybe I'll watch Dragon Ball Z someday. It's pretty good. Maybe.
0: Watch it with the kids, man. Uh this these are from Michael. Okay. Be like that.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, because that's the Astros pitcher who's probably not gonna have a job for much longer. Yeah.
0: Oh. Far show. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a stretch. <laughs> uh the final one. Arise for the judge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That works.
0: <laughs> From my buddy Joe. All right, this is the last one. Dob knack it till you try it. Dob knack it till you
1: try it. Also kind of a stretch, but I <laughs> I like it. My brain would have never gone there.
0: I like it too. It's right. actually something I just walk around and, and say to my fiance at times. Don't knock it till you try it, you know? Like whatever. <laughs> Apple Podcasts a few questions. <laughs> Yeah, Star Wars, right? Because <laughs> uh, she's never seen Star Wars. And then she yeah. could say, you know, uh, you know, Jurassic Park, Terminator, don't knock it to I don't uh, knock those things. Just, I just haven't seen them. We got some Apple Podcast review questions. Continue to drop those in there. Leave us five stars. We really appreciate it. This one's from drj 4 Esther. I don't know if the four is supposed to represent a letter here. But anyway, 12-team head-to-head league. Jay Cronenworth or Ozzy Albies at second base rest of season? I mean, I'm supposed to factor in the timetable here. Like when,
1: when Albies gets back, I'd rather have Al, Albies, of course, but we don't know when he's coming back. So I, I think I have to I think I have to say Cronenworth because of that. There's not much season left.
0: Drop someone on your bench, pick up Ozzy Albies and hold on to Jake Cronenworth. That's yeah, what I say. Yeah. But if I had to choose one rest of the season, I would go Ozzy Albies. From atjw 97 Sounds like a radio station. Grade the trade. Points League. Walker Bueller and Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello for Tyler Glasnow, Taylor Rogers, and Garrett Richards. I picked up Emilio Pagan with that roster spot.
1: That this was a couple of days ago. like uh, I want to be on the Bueller side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Depends how desperate your save situation is cuz you're yeah. getting Rogers and Pagan out of it. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But I, I think most, you know, eight times out of ten, which I guess would be four times out of five, <laughs> I would take the Bueller
0: side. I agree. Uh, this was from TKO Joe, 24. Ian Anderson, Zach Plesak, Tony Gonsolin, or use waivers on Dylan Bundy. Damn, someone dropped Dylan Bundy in your league? Ian Anderson, Plesak, Gonsolin, Bundy. Rank em, Scott. Mm-hmm.
1: Bundy, Polisak, Anderson, Gonsolin. So I guess you're dropping Gonsolin for Bundy. Though, it's worth mentioning, Gonsolin a sneaky winner from the trade deadline too since the Dodgers shipped out Ross tripling.
0: That is a good point, and I agree with you. From John T. in Conchi. Points League, where I'm prioritizing roster spots for pitching. How do you weigh position eligibility when evaluating batters? Say player A has one position, and player B is 75% as productive but plays two to three positions. Who do you prefer?
1: It depends how deep the league is and how, like how easily can I find a replacement at a position where, you know, maybe, maybe I wouldn't need that versatility from the versatile player so much. So I know that's not an easy answer for you, but, um, I think it would have to be more like 90% of the production even in a deep league scenario for it to count equally for me to the, you know, the 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 higher producing guy. Mm-hmm. So 75% not enough.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I, I almost always will take the player with one position even if I need a, a different position. Like, I'll just, I'll take the more valuable, yeah, more there's, productive player. There's
1: always avenues to... ones that you're not even going to foresee. I mean, versatility is so common in today's game that people are picking up eligibility all over the place all the time.
0: Yes, yeah, so the second question, how would you rank these players moving forward? Miguel Sinell, Jake Cronenworth, Hunter Dozier, Ryan Mountcastle, Yandy Diaz, and Dylan Moore. Going forward,
1: I'm going with... Jake Cronenworth, Miguel Sano, Ryan Mountcastle, Hunter Dozier, Yandy Diaz, Dylan
0: Moore. I like it. Depends what the format might be. I might go Sano ahead of Cronenworth if it's not a points league, but those are the only two that I might differ from. I like the rest there. To stream or not to stream for Tuesday, Scott. Must starts. Sonny Gray, Aaron Nola, Patrick Corbin. Would you start Kwang Hyun Kim at The Cincinnati Reds. I don't think I
1: would. Not totally sold on that, even though his last two starts were good. Dallas Keuchel at the Minnesota Twins. Tough matchup, but I think you have to. It's just been money all season.
0: Michael Pineda versus the White Sox in his return.
1: Yeah, I'd rather sit back and watch this one, though. You
0: know, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful he has a good start. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm good with that. John Lester at the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not good with that. Chad Cool on the other side against the Cubs. Nope. Masahiro Tanaka versus the Tampa Bay Rays. I would not do that. Ian Anderson
1: at the Red Sox. Yeah, boy. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to That's a
0: homecoming for him too. Josh Lindblom versus the Tigers. Come on. No. <laughs> I almost want to just because it's the Tigers, but you're probably right. Josh Lindblom has been not great. John Gray at home against the Giants in Coors nope. Field. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. And Julio, Julio Arias at home against the Starling Martellus Diamondbacks. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. He is Scott White. I am Frank Sample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe... You want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework.